human thought or science or religion When the universe is vast and inexplicable and you are weak and insignificant, then you know you're playing Call of Cthulhu. This is an actual play of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition featuring adult themes and horror. Listener discretion is advised. Find our published scenarios at starsarewrite.com or contact us for help unleashing your own twisted tales upon an unsuspecting world. And now, settle in, dear listener. Intrigue, high adventure, and cosmic horror await when the stars are right. Hello and welcome back, listeners. We are once again exploring Chaosium's range of alone-against solo scenarios, which are like choose-your-own-adventure books that use the Call of Cthulhu mechanics and dice. We're playing them in pairs, with one person reading the narration and the other making character choices. This time around, it's Jason and Lydia. This is a two-parter. And stick around after the end of the adventure in the second episode for a little chat about how the game went. It's a taste of Beyond the Madness, the behind-the-scenes chit-chat show that we record after every episode, which is normally exclusive to our beloved supporters on Patreon. Don't forget, patrons also get ad-free episodes, early access and loads of bonus episodes of gameplay, including playtests of our original scenarios and a full six-part circus-themed exclusive adventure. And we're adding more very soon. Check out the episode description for a link. And why not come chat in our Discord community as well while you're at it? The audio editing here is a bit more light touch than usual because we're putting our focus into preparing the next chapter of our campaign, Berlin the Wicked City. If you're caught up, you know that the first adventure wrapped up with a bang. And without spoiling anything, there are going to be some big changes coming into the next part. In the meantime, please enjoy this Alone Against Adventures. Hello and welcome back listeners. Today we will be playing session one of Alone Against the Frost. Yes, we're back with our Alone Against. This scenario is written by Glenn Rahman with Gavin English and published by Chaosium. I am Jason, your keeper for the day, and in the player seat tonight we have Lydia. So Lydia, tell us who you're going to be playing in Alone Against the Frost. Hi everyone, I'm playing Dr. Lisa Karina Nadelman and she is an anthropologist from Miskatonic University. She was born in Kingsport, Massachusetts and she's well known as an up-and-coming star of the anthropology world. Indeed she is. And we have spent some time putting your character together, but of course you will not be alone in this adventure. Uh, you are actually going to be leading a party of five in your expedition. You have the help of Charlie Foxtail, a local guide, along with Bernard Epstein, Sylvia Davidson, and Norman Faulkner, your graduate students from the university. And you have character sheets for them as well. So this is a little bit different compared to lots of other scenarios in that there is just the two of us. I'm going to be narrating and Lydia is going to be controlling uh, Dr. Nadelman and Nadelman's companions. 
In terms of mechanics for this specific scenario, there's going to be a little bit of controlling each of these companions as well. So for example, if you need to make a skill roll and one of your companions is present and awake, you may choose to have them make a roll instead. The same with things like combat. When it comes to things like damage, you can allot damage on your side as evenly as possible, or you can elect to take extra damage to protect your students. <laughs> I'll leave that choice up to you. <laughs> wow, this is like the trolley problem, isn't it? Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit at some point or another. Also, a companion's hit points must not be reduced below zero in combat unless the text allows for the possibility of their death. So should a companion be reduced to zero hit points, they just fall unconscious and they get revived if the doctor survives the fight. Uh, you may wish to make a note of this, however, if a companion dies or, or it says disappears. So that sounds ominous. Oh, it does. Yes. <laughs> There's also a couple of little bits that I'll try and remember with regards to whether you take a major wound and you fall unconscious or if you get temporary, indefinite or permanent insanity. Uh, so basically, just remind me if one of your companions or your doctor gets one of those conditions because we have to turn to a specific number. Okay. I feel I'll like just... this is false advertising already alone against and I've actually got five characters. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I have to decide now just how ruthless my investigator is going to be. Hmm. Okay, so we are ready to go. But first, here's a little bit of a background about your character, but also why you're going on this expedition. So you, Dr. Lisa C. Nadelman, have long been fascinated by the prehistory of North America, particularly the big woods of the North. The Canadian wilderness remains as unexplored as the Amazon basin, and hunters, trappers, and gold seekers tell hair-raising stories of the people in the area. Of course, they also tell tales of terrifying demons and other exotic fantasies. The time is right to bring a rigorous academic perspective to the big woods. The truth hidden there is doubtless more fascinating than any traveler's yarn. For over a year, you have petitioned your department to finance a modest summer exploratory trip into Canada's Northwest Territories. Now, at last, your funding has been approved and you make your preparations to leave at the end of the spring semester. Many of your graduate students are eager to go, but you can only take three. You have chosen to explore the Valley of the North Hanina. In the local dialect, Hanina means the river of magic power. The yarn spinners have worked overtime on the legends of the North Hanina. It is said to be haunted by invisible presences and bloodthirsty headhunters, part of the valley where a party of prospectors was found beheaded is still known as Headman's Glen. Your small expedition takes the train into north central Canada and then boards a chartered launch to the Great Slave Lake and down the Mackenzie to Fort Macdonald where an outpost of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police represents the sole power of civilization amidst many thousands of square miles of mountains, lakes, taiga, and swamp. Fort Macdonald is a trading post for trappers and indigenous members of the community. 
The best route into the valley of the North Hanina is upstream by canoe, following the west branch of the Mackenzie to the mouth of the tributary you seek. A single bark canoe of excellent make has been reserved for you, as well as all the basic gear that your summer trip requires. Officials tell you that the guides are reluctant to venture into the North Hanina. The local peoples have always shunned the region, and most of the white men who dare to trespass upon this river of magic power never returned. Still, you locate a tough professional guide named Charlie Foxtail. She narrows her eyes upon hearing of your destination, but is persuaded by the high wages you are offering. Finally, all is ready to go. And now we begin the game proper. So, after a few days on the west branch of the Mackenzie, the stuffy corridors of Miskatonic University seem very far away. Sun stipples the water from the glare of midday to the gentle burn of sunset. Caribou gaze at you from the shore ahead, and a heron drags an unfortunate stickleback from the shadows. It would feel like a vacation were it not for the relentless demand of the paddle. Each day makes the students more adept at keeping time with you and Charlie. Your supply of gasoline is limited, so you run the outboard motor as seldom as possible. Sun and wind grant Bernard the outdoor complexion he desires. You locate the tributary one evening just as the light begins to fail. Next day, you launch into the North Hanina. The Ram Mountains loom in the distance through a heat haze. At this latitude, the summer nights are so short that darkness gives the waterways no time to cool. Norman wipes sweat from the back of his head. The North Hanina is a rougher river than the West Branch. Its floodplain is obstructed by sandbars, hills of driftwood, shingle islands, and forests of dead trees rooted in the mud. The current points all of them downstream, like arrows warning you to turn back. Sylvia turns to your guide. Charlie, does your people live in this area? Charlie grunts and watches the water. For a moment it seems she will not answer. Then, she looks at Sylvia. At one time, now only outcasts, we will avoid them. Sylvia frowns. Why are they... But Charlie raises a hand. From ahead, slowly building, you hear the roar of rushing water. This is the place of the splitting waters, she says. Here the river is alive. Each day, it makes itself new. And now I would like you to make me a luck roll, please, and let me know if you succeed or fail. Okay, sailing up the haunted river, that's a paddling. Ooh, I'm very lucky. I've got 85 points of luck. Let's have a look and see if the luck holds. Yes, it does. That's 33. An impressive success. Indeed. Okay. The expedition spends the day working through a baffling network of waterways. Sometimes you are forced to back down impassable channels to find an easier way. Sometimes you blunder along the heads of powerful chutes and are swept along with them. At certain points, your party has to wade in waist-deep water, inching the craft along by hand. You pass labyrinths of wooded islands, fast water, and drift. Finally, you select a peaceful backwater 
in which to moor and make camp for the night. I'd like you to roll me a d10 and tell me if the result is even or odd. Okay. Uh, that was odd. I just rolled a seven. Odd roll. Okay. A very odd roll. <laughs> well, of course, it's Cthulhu. Okay. Your first night along the North Hanina passes without mishap. You must now decide whether to press on hard to penetrate deep into the region or set a more leisurely pace, exploring as you go. What would you like to do? Hmm, I don't think they're in any great hurry, so I would set a leisurely pace. Save the save the energy for when it will be needed when we're being chased by zombie bears who want to like <laughs> eat our faces. Yep. <laughs> okay, perfect. A little back from the shore, the faint stench of sulphur wafts out of the mouth of a narrow canyon. You have read about possible hot springs in the Hanina region. It is very tempting to formally discover them. So would you like to put the brakes on even further and actually stop and explore, or would you rather pass on as normal? Oh, this is an exploration, so yeah, let's explore. Let's, let's see if we can find these hot springs. Okay. Maybe you'll find a nice jacuzzi in there as well. Yeah, who knows? This is actually now a spa trip. This is this is not a camping trip. <laughs> you tie the canoe to the bank and lead your party up the canyon. A warm stream runs along its floor and the rocks along the edges are heavily caked with precipitated minerals of white, gray, and yellow hues. The farther you advance between its narrow banks, the more desolate the scene. The vegetation struggles in youth and goes to an early death. Grey dust coats the brittle sticks of strangled saplings. You kneel over a stone furred with yellow and white crystals and scrape a sample of the deposits into a small glass vial with your hunting knife. You suppose that they are nothing remarkable, though this is not your area of expertise. Finally, you snap a few photos of the scene with your box camera. Now, you can choose to explore further up the canyon if you want, or you can return to your canoe and continue upriver. I think we've got something interesting here. Weird minerals on the rock. So, yeah, let's have a closer look up into the cavern. All right, delving even further. Mm-hmm. Come on. You usher your companions forward. Up ahead, the mineral deposits along the stream are no longer unspoiled. The rocks appear to be stripped of their brimstone and artful vermiculations. Can you make me a listen roll, please? And tell me if you succeed or fail. Okay, now my listen is only at base. So I'm going to have a quick look at my students' character sheets and see if anybody else has got anything better. Yeah, Sylvia Davidson has 50 in listen. Let me just check the others. And, ooh, Charlie, Charlie Foxtail has 70, so I'm going to ask Charlie to make that roll, if I may. Of course. Right, so I'm rolling for Charlie. Yes, that's a 23, so that is a hard success. Okay. As the wind turns, you catch the sound of humming, as if from a motor. An unlikely prospect, considering where you are. You order your party to hold position and work your way up the ravine, cautiously peering around the bend. 
Now, I'm not entirely sure why this next bit is here, but I suppose we'll find out. But it's asking you to make a sanity roll. Oh, dear. That was probably not a good decision, was it? Okay. Right. So my san, luckily, is also pretty high. Uh, 80. Although I doubt it's going to be 80 for very long. 63. That's a comfortable pass. Okay. This explains why you had to make a sanity roll for no reason. Oh, the no. The sight is incredible. Several human-sized pinkish crustaceans are working mechanical equipment, sweeping the rocks of the stream. The creatures must be intelligent, though they look ugly even for seafood. Fungoid growths bedeck their bodies. Their buzzing sound is audible over the hum of the mineral-gathering machines. You came to this place looking for unknown races and have been rewarded beyond your wildest dreams. You watch them until your companions get restive. You must decide what to do next. So first, you can gain two points of Cthulhu Mythos. That's a strong start, lobster miners. You don't lose any sanity points since you pass, but if you were to fail, you would have lost a d6 already. Wow. <laughs> Very strong start. So, uh, now that you've got your two points of Cthulhu Mythos, you can either stand up and greet these alien things, or if you want to avoid contact, you're going to need to make a stealth roll. Hmm. I think the expedition is to discover and is to explore and to find the unknown, so I'm guessing... What she'd actually do is probably greet them, to be honest. Although I, as a player, know this is probably a really bad idea. I don't <laughs> think the good professor feels the same way. So, yeah, I'm going to greet them, I think. Did you say that was a role? Uh, no, just if you wanted to try and avoid them. No. So, yes, if you stand up and That'll greet them, then right. I just simply turn the page. Mm -hmm. You stand up and lift your arms in a posture most cultures find non-aggressive. The miners switch off their mineral sweepers, drop them, and lift curious twisted Y-shaped devices. Do you understand me? You ask. A sheet of cold flares forth from one of the Y-shaped tools. The bolt passes close to your head. Some ridiculous impulse compels you to stand in place and touch your right ear. It is completely numb. The other miners move towards you, raising their tools. Finally, the spell is broken. You duck around the bend and rush back to your companions, yelling, Monsters! I'd like you to gain another point of Cthulhu Mythos. Nice. And running away very quickly. <laughs> Quite. A streak of cold stabs past you, leaving a frosty mist in the air like a flashlight beam through fog. Even the near miss leaves a rhyme of frosty needles on your cheek and hair. You throw a quick glance over your shoulder and see the pink creatures with objects of twisted metal in their claws, evidently weapons. Norman and Sylvia have made the safety of the bend ahead. That leaves you, Bernard and Charlie to get clear. But the track is wide open and you are too far behind. So I'd like you to make me a dodge roll. Uh, now, I have 35 in dodge, so that's okay. Could be worse. 
And yes, that was a 005, so that is an extreme success. Okay, so your doctor is absolutely fine. I'd also like you to roll dodge for Charlie and Bernard, please. Charlie has 27. Ah, no, that was a fail. 75 for Charlie. Okay. And for Bernard, who has 30 in dodge. Uh, he's fine. That's a hard success of 15 against 30. Okay, so just Charlie has failed. Probably the most useful party member, the local guide. Yeah, yeah, I don't like this Did at I all. Did I kill her off already? <laughs> no, <laughs> neither do I. An anguished cry warns you that Charlie has been hit. You glance over your shoulder only to see her stagger a few more steps on stiff legs and then fall. Behind her, the creatures swarm. Do you stop and help her? Or do you race on with Bernard? Oh, stop and help, definitely. Can't okay. leave Charlie behind. You run right into a blast of cosmic cold. You collapse to the ground, too stiff to shiver. From the position where you lie, you see the many-legged creatures with their weird weapons scuttling like giant spiders from the bush. Then darkness. Well, that's pretty ominous. <laughs> Am I still alive? <laughs> Let's find out. A faint light bathes your closed eyelids. You hear garbled sounds. Your whole body seems prickled with discomfort. It takes an effort to open your eyes. For an instant, what you see makes no sense. Disease-looking fungoid things, pinkish creatures with tentacles and claws extending from their thoraxes. Several of them scuttle around the field of your vision. Terror shapes a scream in your mouth, but it makes no sound. You cannot even feel air moving in and out of your lungs. Abruptly, you realize that you don't have any lungs, nor any body, just phantom pains. You can see your body discarded on the ground nearby. It has no head. You are its head. <laughs> You are clamped in a box with tubes running into your <laughs> neck. The alien monsters want to preserve your living brain. Plunging into madness. You try to scream again. One of the creatures shuts the lid of the box that contains you, blocking out all light. As you can probably guess, the Nadelman expedition is over. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, listeners. Tune in next time. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay. There's a, there's a wonderful illustration on this page as well of uh, of the doctor just plugged into <laughs> all these tubes in the in the liquid box. Lovely. I am a brain in a jar. <laughs> right. So I think we should backtrack a little bit. Yes, I think we should. Press rewind. Okay. Press rewind. This isn't cheating. This is definitely not cheating. I would like to make this very clear to our listeners. We just want to give you value, obviously. Nice song episode. Actually, it's definitely not cheating because the book even gives you the previous number in case you backtrack. <laughs> oh, cool. 
in case you don't want to be a braid in a jar. Well, indeed. She does have Edu 90, so she would be a pretty valuable brain in a jar. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just thinking, and I'll give you the choice since we're so early, as it were, into this scenario. Would you like to <laughs> resume running away from these creatures or go a little further back before you decide to start talking to them? I think the most sensible thing would be to go back to the talking and not talk and just try and sneak away instead. That was an option, wasn't it? Uh, yes, Before, it was. Before, like, standing up and saying, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, if you're okay with that, I think I think that would be a good place to pick up the story. Okay, absolutely. Um, so, you need to get rid of all your Cthulhu mythos. And once you've done that, make oh, that's a stealth a shame. roll. So I did have three points. Now my stealth is only base 20. Am I allowed to get somebody else to make the stealth roll? Or does it have to be me? Because they're all they're all here and they're all alive and not Indeed. brains in jars yet, aren't they? It just says if right, you need to make a, a skill roll. Well, Charlie again, brilliant Charlie, has 85 in stealth. So I think that is a no-brainer. Ah, do you see what I did there? Oh, I did. 39 for Charlie, which is... Yes, that is a hard success. Wonderful. Okay. She was the one who got you into this situation, really, given she heard the noises so she can get you out of it. <laughs> the five of you run a great distance through mud, moss, and lichens. At last, you sense that you're not being followed and pause in the deep forest to catch your breath. Your latest experience has convinced Charlie that the North Hanina is no place for her. She insists on going home. Now you can try and argue with her if you like to stay and continue your explorations. Or you can agree to end the expedition. I think I'm doomed, aren't I? I'm doomed to lose <laughs> Charlie either way. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to try and argue with her definitely and try and get her to stay. Absolutely. We need her. We've only just started. Yeah. Okay. You are mad, your guide cries. She raises her weapon, watching you with dangerous eyes. Stay then and die. She backs off towards the river. You give her a few minutes and then follow. If you still had a serviceable canoe, it has gone with her. Can't believe I lost Charlie. She's the best one. I know. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I've not read this before, so I don't know if it's just a thing that happens really quickly in general or if it's because you come across these lobster minor creatures. They're my go, right? I thought they were, but there is an illustration, and now I'm not so sure. The only other lobstery ones I know of are Cerubians, but they make wine. They don't mine. <laughs> I would like you to record a keyword. Barefoot. Oh, a keyword. Mm. I'm not is sure like... these are in the other alone against uh, scenarios but essentially no. they are specific words that seem ambiguous but you might come across them again which allows you to 
I suppose, go a slightly different direction to what the book would normally have you do. Okay. It's like a password. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. No, well, it, I, I've only played Alone Against the Flames, but uh, no, it wasn't... No keywords there. So I've definitely lost Charlie then. I'm afraid so, which is a pity because she was oh, so no. useful. <laughs> she really was. Oh, dear. Your party packs and falls in behind you. The peaks of the Ram Mountains loom ahead. You advance beneath the staring eyes of frost-carved hoodoos under the temple, buttresses and steeples of the weathered peaks. The strange majesty of their shapes reduces your companions to a silent reverence. If these ancient mountains are a temple to forgotten gods, you can only hope that they do not judge your trespass as a blasphemy. Make a listen roll, please. Again, this is just where we needed Charlie. So without her, I'm going to see if anybody else has more than base. I think they did. Norman has 30. Sylvia has 50. I think that's the best I'm going to get. Yes. So I'm getting Sylvia to make this at 50. Ah, 61. Hmm. That's a fail. Would you like to spend any luck? Would that come out of her luck or out of my luck? Oh, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I've got plenty of luck, so it would be fine if it does come out of mine. I believe if, if they've got their own luck, then it would come out of theirs. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yes, please. I'm going to spend the luck. Okie dokie. So that's 11 points of luck lost. But she's About got 65, time. so that's fine. Hmm, good. I was going to say, about time while the students made themselves useful. <laughs> Some old field instinct leads you to whisper a warning to the students who dart into the undergrowth. To your surprise, a tiny man treads lightly out of the woody growth. He is barely three feet tall and thin of limb. His features seem exaggerated, and if you were not so close, you might think he was wearing a wooden mask. His skin is a strange pale grey. Is he the anthropological discovery your expedition seeks? Now, slightly similar to your previous encounter, you can either hide... That went so well. <laughs> indeed. Or you can stand up and make contact. <laughs> well, much as I want to preserve my precious, precious hit points and my precious, precious students... We are here to explore. So, yeah, I think she's definitely going to stand up and say hello. Very well. Hopefully not famous last words. <laughs> this is a rare opportunity in a lifetime dedicated to anthropology. Heart pounding, you stand up before this representative of an unknown race, your hands spread in a peaceful gesture. The little man lurches in surprise and then darts off, trilling an alarmed cry. You can either try and follow him, or you can clear out of the area before he possibly returns with some friends. He's clearly freaked out. I don't think this omens well at all. I think it's time to run. Okay, so you're going to make a move. 
You try to contain your disappointment as your group swiftly locates, trying to leave as little of a trail as possible. Make me a luck roll, please. I have... What do I have for luck? It's quite good. 85. Uh, yes, very comfortable. 20. Perfect, okay. Your party is stealthy enough to remain unnoticed by these small grey figures. Now, you can choose to head back towards civilization, or you can press forward. I shall press forward. I won't yeah. say undaunted, but maybe semi-daunted. <laughs> okay. You contemplate possible routes with your students. You can explore a nearby canyon. You can follow the river. You can use the mountains as a landmark. You can try and gain elevation somewhere nearby, or you can explore the deep woods. I think the sensible thing to do would probably be to use the mountains as a landmark, because we're now in uncharted territory. So it would be nice to have something to refer to if somebody is presumably drawing a map. Oh, I do have navigate. I've got 60 in navigate. So yeah, I think that might come in helpful later on. Yeah makes absolute sense i love how the book sent me right through towards the end and now sending me right back to the beginning again with these numbers <laughs> you actually have to roll navigate to find your way through the book yes yes absolutely it's very chonky okay just a bit out of character it's going in a bit of a a circle so essentially it's gone back to where uh you get to the ram mountains and you're about to sort of go through etc um so we can we can do that if you want or we can choose another option if you prefer um remind me going back to the mountains is that where i i first became dr von brain in a jar or is that where i met the three foot tall gray person yeah where you met the little uh three foot tall person right okay so that is essentially just exactly the same thing again okay yeah. different option i think okay. uh can you remind me what the options were uh certainly when i get back through the book uh so you can explore a nearby canyon you can follow the river you can gain elevation or you can explore the deep woods i think gaining elevation for the same reasons as i said before about using the mountains as a landmark let's go up and see if we can see anything by the horizon Alright. You pause to get your bearings. Forced uphill by the sloughs along the riverside, the four of you laboriously hack through brambles and thicket. As your group passes close to the lip of a slope, Bernard catches your elbow. Look there, Professor, he says. From your lofty perspective, you gaze down and gasp. I'd like you to record another keyword. Tangent. Tangent? Okay. And before you is a giant isosceles triangle. No. <laughs> Roll for trigonometry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Astonishing. Who would have expected to see such a thing in this primitive land? It is a giant circle, over 200 feet in circumference, made of boulders and huge slabs of limestone, placed with great engineering skill to form a wheel. 
From the center of the wheel, 28 stone spokes radiate in precision to a well-defined perimeter. At the center of the structure is what appears to be a small ceremonial building, shaped like a beehive. Your dizziness increases as you slide down the slope and cross the outer ring of stones. You begin to hear ringing in your ears and a roll like the crash of distant waves, like the strike of mighty thunderbolts upon echoing mountainsides. Sylvia grips your arm. Professor, she says, don't go in there. She looks like she might vomit. If you want to leave your faint-hearted party behind and go inside the little building, you can. Or you can head back the way you came. Well, there's a choice, isn't there? I imagine nothing good is going to be inside that little building. But what kind of anthropologist and explorer would I be if I didn't go in there? Sometimes you've got to do what the plot wants. Exactly. Okay. Fascinated, you shake off Sylvia and approach the little building. Three of its sides feature a narrow arched door. You step inside. Your head swims from the aura of the place. You feel an incredible mental surge as a tide of towering perceptions penetrate the tiny confines of your skull. I'd like you to make both a sanity and a power roll, please. Hmm, okay. Well, they're both at 80, so fairly confident. Uh, 48 for the first one, which I'm going to say was the sanity. And 25 for the POW. Okay, that is fantastic. The phenomenon is incredible. It's as if you stand in a high window from which you see the crashing waves of past, present and future all breaking upon one another. Below all the chaos there are streams of sense, of real information. As you stand reeling you try to attune yourself to these streams and let the knowledge fill your tormented mind. Then you see... Ancient days. This place a race of tall, lean, grey-skinned, cruel-faced men. These are not of the first peoples. They are older. Terribly old. They have a name. Kiwanema. Their spirit is upon the land. They rule from antiquity. This continent is theirs. They defend it with mighty magic, awesome powers. The ships of Atlantis burn. The hosts of Mu can gain no foothold. The world has three powers and the Kiwanema are not the least. O oh, evil! Dark is the night of the sway of the Kiwanema. They have gods. They sacrifice to awful gods. Rebathoth, Yogsothoth, Zathog, Shobnigarath. Names from Nightmare. To each is built a temple. In the great heart of their domain, a temple like a wheel of stone. A temple of the great Windwalker. Ea Ithakwa. Ea Yaya. Ea Ya Nga Nga Ha. Gain five points of Cthulhu Mythos. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, that was so, epic, Chase. That was really cool. 
yeah, I, it, it, it's really cool how it kind of, it, it just opens up like that. It was really good descriptive stuff in there. You don't lose any sanity points, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, you simply become more enlightened, I guess. So, once good you've stuff. finished your enlightenment session, shall we say, you can leave the temple and mm -hmm. return to your group. Or you can wish to stay and learn more. I think I'll quit while I'm ahead in this occasion. I think I've seen, I've seen <laughs> a little crack through the doors of perception and it's time to go back to my students. Probably for the best. Okay, you'll be pleased to know that years have not gone by. Your party hurries from the megalithic wheel and hastens back to the riverside. Now, I believe you have the keyword barefoot, do you not? I do indeed. I've got barefoot and I've got tangent. Okay, so you have the keyword barefoot, so we go a slightly different way. Presumably because you no longer have Charlie in your ranks. Perhaps you have been too cautious, but the results of the expedition have been disappointing so far. The morale of your party drops day by day. You'll have to do something decisive soon. I'd like you to make me a persuade roll, please. That's a bit harsh, though, isn't it? I mean, I've just seen the uh, the ancient age and the uh, the great old ones. I know, but I know. Okay, I guess they wanted more than that. Well, to be fair, Fine. it was only you who saw it, and they didn't. They just True. waited outside for uh, you. That's because they were cowardy, cowardy custards. Mm. Right. So a persuade roll. I have 40, but I'm just going to check the others and see what they have. Ah, oh, I don't think any of them have above base. Nope, they do. They all have base. So that is only me. 40 is what we're looking for. Uh, that's 51. I think I'm going to have to spend the luck. I don't want it okay. to end here. Okie dokie. Probably a wise choice. You spend individual time with each party member, sharing experiences from other field trips. Your personal touch is enough to keep spirits up for a few more days. One foggy morning, Bernard and Norman call you down to the river to share an incredible find, a large, strong canoe in a need of few minor repairs. There is no sign of its owner. Now you must make an important decision. You can choose to return down river or proceed deeper into Hanina country. Oh, proceed deeper, definitely. We've got <laughs> this course. boat. It's a sign. We have been blessed by the great old ones. Yes, the plot is not waiting down river after all. <laughs> nope, no plot back in Miskatonic University. Paddling is a familiar rhythm now, and you permit periods of rest using the outboard motor. Your determined group proceeds mile after mile towards your primary goal, Headsman's Glen. The valley is crowded in by steep hills, small mountains and rough stands of jack pines, black spruces and balsam firs. Following Charlie's advice, apparently from earlier, your party sets up semi-permanent camp, giving access to fish and game, as well as some refuge, should the local people prove hostile. In the days that follow, your party makes periodic excursions, seeking evidence of human inhabitants. It begins to look like you will be disappointed. Following another day of fruitless exploration along the floor of the valley, your party fixes a hearty supper of stone-baked biscuits, jerky and beans. 
Gnats and mosquitoes swarm close, but the smoke from your fire drives the worst of the pets away. You pause at the riverside. Can you justify pressing on into the wilderness without Charlie Foxtail? Once again, it gives you the option to either continue or turn back. Although turning back would be the sensible thing, because Charlie knows these woods, she knows the land, she knows so much about the area, we are here to explore and we can't let setbacks stop our mission. So uh, let's press that. on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your students grumble. There is some talk about turning back. You sit down with them and talk about the harsh realities of the field and how no significant discovery was ever made by an expedition that lacked courage. In time, they agree to continue. Make me a luck roll, please. I've got really good luck. So, fingers crossed. Yes, 36. Very lucky. Wonderful. After a long walk, you discover the canyon ends at a rock wall. However, a stream pours from a fissure in the wall. Once you draw close, you glimpse a large valley beyond. The current is rather swift, but it may be possible to wade through to the other side. You can attempt to pass through this fissure, or you can head back towards Fort MacDonald. I think it sounds like it's doable, wading through. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. All right. You secure your gear and inch your way along a submerged ledge, fighting against the rushing knee-deep water. It narrows at the fissure, and there the hazard is greatest. I'd like you to make me a dex roll, specifically for Bernard, please. I presume oh, he's not dear. quite as physical as the other members of the party? No, I don't think he is. Uh, he's... Well, he is. He's got climb. He's got really good climb and navigate, but um, not so much with everything. Did you say dex? Sorry. Yes, please. A dex roll. Okay. He's got 30 dex. 29. Just scraped Ooh, it. Only Go, Bernard. Just, yeah. Maybe mm -hmm. he practices on, on just, you know, a boring rock face, but there isn't all this rushing water going on, so it's more of a challenge for him. Yeah. Totally. Well, it seems, even with a successful roll, Bernard still missteps. For a nail-biting moment, Ooh. he goes down into the rushing water. You prepare to lunge, but the student finds an underwater grip on the ledge and hauls himself to his feet, sodden but unharmed. Go, Bernard. Undaunted by his hair's breadth escape, Bernard urges you to press on into the hidden canyon. You sigh in relief as the last of your party steps onto solid ground. The students spread out, staring at the scenery. As you catch up with them, you are equally staggered to realize just how immense this newly discovered valley actually is. Excited, your group commences a preliminary survey. It does not take long to confirm that you have discovered a readout of unprecedented prehistoric survival. Animal tracks that fit no modern beasts of the north abound in the sand and mud. You now wish you had studied more paleontology. I'd like you to record the word inch cape for me. Inch cape? Yes. I didn't even know that was a word, but Apparently. okay. 
And then before you explore a bit more into this, we're going to take a break to the session. <laughs> <laughs> 